Two Planet Productions is a team compromised of some of the most talented wedding photographers, videographers, and production designers with over 20 years combined experience in the industry. Besides working with the most beautiful brides in the world, they have also produced content for commercial businesses and nonprofit organizations such as the Tulsa Mayor's Office, the Arts and Humanities Council of Tulsa, Tulsa Lifestyle Magazine, Rocklahoma, and musical acts such as the Deftones. Members of their staff and the Two Planet team have won multiple Couples Choice Awards and Best of the Best Awards from The Knot, Wedding Wire, and were part of the team that was voted People's Choice for Best Photographers from Tulsa People Magazine 2013. Two Planet Productions remains the most affordable group of fun, professional artists to entrust your life's most precious memories to. www.twoplanetproductions.com Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Call 918-280-8528. And we have an exclusive deal that you can only get if you listen to the Channel 4.5 Network. If you tell them we sent you, you will receive a free single session shoot with the purchase of any wedding package. That is a $500 value for free. That free session could be engagements, bridals, first anniversary photos, or anything else you could want to be saved and captured forever. So, uh, Buddhism. You know anything about it? I don't. Yeah. Well, I didn't either. I just knew that the, you know, I was always looked at him like, why are those people so happy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> why so are those people so happy? They're just so nice. Yeah. You know, I was like, what are they doing? Right. What are they, what are they doing that I can't do? Right. Right. I and agree. And that's about all I knew about him. I just right. like, kind of watched him from far off. Well, mainly because there's not any in. No, you're hardly. in a bad part of the country yeah. for Buddhism. <laughs> little, little anemic in the Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Department, and I, and and we don't want to get too much into it because we are going to have actually a Buddhist teacher next month. Um, but uh, you know, they're all paths to uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol. Yeah, you know, usually there's a spiritual path to getting sober. Um. <laughs> uh, why I'm laughing, I'm just like, well, you know, when I do my things, it sounds like I'm having therapy online. <laughs> Except I already found the therapy. Yeah. I'm just talking about how well. Now you're just talking about things down. that you should have talked about in therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Uh, I tried going to AA and I looked everywhere, you know, trying to get sober, and I just couldn't find it. And um, I think uh, with the 12-step programs a lot of times you know they have a christian route Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. and you know when when you are wounded through your religion growing up you know it makes it more difficult more of a challenge to be accepting of any kind of teaching right from that you know yeah okay right no i agree (laughs) sorry i just responded to you and i was nowhere near a microphone Uh, yeah i know i was just like yeah i agree (laughs) and also said like the meaning to life oop (laughs) No microphone, and now I've forgotten it. Sorry. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. So, uh, I couldn't do that, and um, I had a therapist at the time, and she started asking me questions like, what you know, what are my what are my thoughts? And I had been watching Alan Watts. Uh, he talked about Buddhism, and that was my first introduction into meditation, and I had been kind of meditating at the, at the time, maybe like two minutes. 
that's not that much, but, you know, to a drug addict trying to get sober, that's a lot. And so she suggested that her husband got sober um, through a Buddhist group that meets on Sundays and is uh, with this guy coming up, Dave Beach. And he's a pretty interesting guy. And he now... <clears throat> has been uh, doing this group for some time. He leads it. It's a recovery group, but you don't have to be a drug addict. You just can be going through shit. You know, it's mm -hmm. just a life recovery group. You, In fact, I don't think I really even talked about my drug use the whole time, but what I loved about it was it was just such a safe place, you know, to express. You had a, I had a refuge for the first time to talk about, you know, my painful stuff that I, I don't know. I just for some reason, couldn't find the ability to do it anywhere else, even at AA and NA me meeting, and I didn't know why. Right. And then questioning things the first day, you know, and we talk about it on the show, he he encouraged to question, and there's just something healing about that. So, yeah, uh, Dave Beach is coming on the show and All talking right. about his group. And, awesome. Uh, it's very exciting. I can't wait. Let's get into it. All right, everybody. Dave Beach. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Channel 4.5 Network. Channel 4.5, home to the best and widest array of podcasts, web series, and live events. Now, what you're listening to, you're like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. But you ever wondered what you're missing? What you're not hearing? Well, we got news for you. And the new... Channel Four and a Half Podcast Archive Series. In this series, we'll look back at all the shows that never made it to air. Join your host every week, Chad Goopy Guppy Zingo, as he guides you through the lost files of Channel Four and a Half. Here, shows hosted by Guinness World Record holders, prisoners, people lost in space. You never know what you're gonna hear on the Channel Four and a Half Podcast Archives. Only on channel4.5.com. Channel 4.5, creating art on a local level. You know, uh, a few years ago, I was still kind of <laughs> wandering around trying to figure out how I was going to get sober. And um, this. Uh, counselor of mine mm -hmm. I, I like to call her my divorce counselor it started out as a marriage <laughs> counselor oh i see yeah you know well uh, her she's telling me about her husband uh got sober through um this one group mm -hmm. um that was in a meditation hall of sister ellie and she's a little episcopal nun uh, who teaches meditation and i enrolled in her class and before i started the class i went uh by her suggestion to this meeting on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And I did not know what I was getting into. I knew it it was meditation. And uh, I sat down and probably, and I was a little light because I couldn't find it. It's a little hard to find. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And um, I sat down and one of the first things he said is, um, the Buddha said, question and doubt everything. And I was like, all right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> and I knew that I it was a place that uh, I would get some answers because they didn't, um, you know, admonish me <laughs> for questioning like I had 
in the past. And um, so, yeah, I gave it a year, and I think I started that in June, and then uh, about eight weeks later, I finally, like, was able to stop drinking. Oh, wow. So, there you are. Yeah. So anyway, welcome uh, to the show, a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Beach. Or is it David Beach? It's, it's David, but you can call me Dave. <laughs> Do you want to get Dave? Dave. I think we should move Dave. on to that phase the of The surfer dude named Dave helped me. Dave. <laughs> it's so He's my guru. Surfer dude. <laughs> and Dave my last the name. guru. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's all related. <laughs> yeah. But uh, tell me about yourself, though. Tell me about kind myself. Of well, you know, kind of where you're from, and sure. how in the heck did you get to lead this group? Okay, great. Um, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'll try not to get too entranced by this fidget uh, <laughs> this fidget spinner, spinner. Fidget yeah. spinner <laughs> while I'm talking. But anyway, uh, I grew up in the, in the Midwestern part of the United States and was, <coughs> excuse me, was very saturated in Christianity and uh, of the of the Southern Baptist persuasion flavor, <laughs> which uh, it's interesting. I think that they're all Christian, but they have their different. Some can dance, and some can't. Some can't dance, yeah. That is, so. <laughs> some can't dance, no matter if they're Christian Even or not. Either you know. way, sure. yeah. yeah, shouldn't try, probably. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I grew up, you know, around all of that, <clears throat> and. As a child, like most children, I, I believed what I was told. And uh, what I was hearing was that I was made by God and in the image of God. And yet, there's something wrong with me that I'm broken. And it's not so much necessarily my fault. Um, it's just you're born that way. It's because of who you are, you're not good enough. And that was something that I, I could see reflected in my environment at home. I, you know, I, I, it was, it was a, uh, just one of these things where, you, I, you know, you don't always know whether or not that's how it really happened, but that's how I remember it anyway was, yeah, yeah seeing that that whole concept reflected around me that I am not quite good enough. I was I was the last of three children and uh, the first was a, a, a boy, the second was a girl and my parents were overjoyed and overly proud of them <laughs> and uh, did all the the things like with my brother take him you know go to the Boy Scouts and my sister was the Girl Scouts and parents were very involved in all of that and and then I came along and and as my grandmother used to refer to me as, as the uh, the surprise baby, I, I wouldn't, wasn't quite sure what that meant until later in life. In life. But surprise is a good thing. So, uh, um, but then I realized, oh, I see what you're saying. And again, I just kind of sent this message. Not that I wasn't loved or cared for. I was, but uh, it was there was an underlying tone that I was. <laughs> picking up on that said <laughs> you're just uh, you know okay you can come with us but you're not really one of us <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, of course. and i got that feeling from everyone in the world everybody i met uh, and and that certainly was a i was complicit in creating that suffering because i i was creating these stories about how i'm not good enough and 
would attempt to prove my point. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, so that was, that's me um, uh, growing up, just exposed to, to the Christian, the Christian practice and, and faith uh, until, and I mean very much so. I, I would, I didn't just go to church. The church that I went to had a, a, a high school, a private high school that I ended up going to. And uh, my first job was working as a janitor there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there was at the church. So I was <laughs> at the church there, yeah. <laughs> all day, every day, doing something, and was just deeply involved with it. Yeah. So, um, so you, be, you, know, you became adults, yeah. and, you know, did you party a lot in high school, or did you kind of wait till you became an adult and you started, you know... Sure drinking, using drugs? I think, well, I, I was sort of a late bloomer when it came to using drugs. I uh, drank a little bit in high school, just kind of discovered al alcohol my junior year. Uh, and this was in the late 70s, so there was plenty of opportunity for drug yeah. experimentation <laughs> and all that around. Uh, but no, I, I just, it was not something that it, 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 it's strange because I didn't. I was I was intrigued by it. I was intrigued by the the whole cultural phenomena that was happening at that time. Yeah, in yeah. The background. I'm fascinated with the hippies. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they um, scared me. They scared you. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be them. I you know, and uh, so uh, maybe it was just this counter cultural thing. I had a just an interest in metaphysical type discussion and very young I, I read a, a book off my parents bookshelf called um, is that a tornado siren? that is uh, a vacuum oh okay <laughs> <laughs> wow. I guess our neighbor needs to clean his floors right now Oklahoma you never know right? <laughs> is it a tornado are we getting <laughs> or is it just the vacuum oh okay <laughs> it's hard to tell them sometimes well, I can cut that out. Here we go. Right. Well, so uh, <laughs> so I was real young. I read the, it's like the first book I ever read. It was off my parents' bookshelf. It's called Cyber Cybernetics, and uh, it discussed things like how to concentrate and how to focus your mind. And I yeah. was I was like an eight-year-old just laying in my bed wow, reading that's some deep, this, deep and it was stuff. just interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, things like that intrigued me all the way through. Uh, but they didn't really match very well with the uh, Christian teachings that I was receiving, which rejected that that way of yeah, of definitely. thought and of, of living. So um, I was had to choose between a situation where I was to go explore what I thought was intriguing and interesting, or stick with something that I had very little evidence of and was feeling more and more like a scam. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and to that, that kind of had a similar feeling growing up of the, because I, I was brought up very Southern Baptist yeah. as well. And, yeah. um, you know, it was, I, I kept reading these books on stuff that was just so out, at the time it seemed so outlandish, yeah. but it was like, but obviously people, people believe this, that maybe that there's some truth to it. Maybe I should find out more about it. And so, yeah, I had the same like, you know, moment where it was like, should I go down this path that is, you know, I don't know where it ends, or or this uh, other path that's 
like a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood, you know? I, I see where people at the end of their lives are sitting in yeah. the same path. And, yeah. and is that where I want to go? I know where it ends. Right. Or I can go here and right. discover something amazing. Exactly, exactly. I was intrigued by um, the unknown. My, my grandmother on my mom's side was an artist and an art teacher yeah. for all of her life. And I really got a lot of that influence from her. My father is, um, uh, was a, uh, an engineer. Oh, aeronautical yeah. engineer, mechanical wow. engineer, and so I had a very scientific <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, exposure as well, and I think I blended those two together in, in, in many ways, uh, but, but the, the creative side of me, the, the side that questioned, uh, I think I finally gave it permission to, to ask the question that was bugging me, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is there really a God? I was just gonna take it apart there. Uh, you know, if, if there's no God, then the rest of the story is BS. So I don't know what our language. Uh, uh, you're good to do whatever. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> not a problem. For some reason, I haven't cussed at all. No, nope, like I weird. haven't either. Well, strange. Uh, let's, let's, let's cuss. All right, okay. let's make this happen. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I, I said, "What the darn?" <laughs> um, you know, I just questioned the whole validity of, of God when there was uh, an apparent other explanation, more scientific point of view, and, and right, I, yeah. I started um, questioning. And that was when, uh, about my senior year in high school, and it was immediately after I graduated, I stopped going to church, I stopped, I just severed myself from that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and began an exploration using uh, hallucinogenic drugs <laughs> just to, you know what what uh, what could that offer right me? right yeah yeah and, uh, not so much I wasn't really trying to escape I don't think but I was trying to exp I was trying to see what was out there and I was intrigued by the effects of hallucinogens LSD and uh, mushrooms suicide mushrooms so uh, you know I had quite a few opportunities to experiment with those and expand my mind and to consider uh, my beliefs from a different perspective yeah yeah and uh, and to let go of certain beliefs that weren't very helpful to me yeah uh, it would be it was a life changing experience for me and uh, you know there are only just a few of those really in life uh, yeah yeah the birth of a child so uh, you um okay so you took that and where did that lead you i mean did because it wasn't always rosy for you it wasn't was it no it wasn't <laughs> you know wasn't very rosy <coughs> well you know so here's here's the thing i uh, i i would uh, shortly towards the end of of all of that experimentation um I married, and we had have a son uh, who's now 30 years old, almost 31. And uh, so uh, there were, you know, I needed to slow my roll a little bit and and be more responsible, and cut the drug use back to just uh, occasionally, like you know, three times a day, maybe four times, <laughs> a day. and um, <coughs> just smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. yeah, 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 and um, 
at, at some point, well, at, at many different points, particularly back in high school, I had been in a pretty significant car wreck. And for the first time, really uh, felt the effects of, of opiate drugs and morphine. Mm -hmm. And uh, my body instantly remembered that <laughs> and yeah, said, yeah. I, I, want this I want this again yeah. sometime, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, so, but uh, I followed the rules and I, you know, took them as prescribed. And uh, uh, since then, of course, so I'm in my 50s now, so I've had a few trips to the doctor <laughs> and the dentist and I've, you know, you get these medications along the way and uh, pretty soon it was, uh, I felt something about that particular class of drugs, the opioids, that caused a sensation in me and created this, almost this belief that somehow I was, when taking those drugs, I was the best me that I could be. And yeah. uh, uh, so if I got something coming up, I got to make sure I got some drugs. If it's Christmas, if it's getting together with the family, I got to be the best me I can be. And for mom and dad. <laughs> for mom and dad. <laughs> for mom and dad and everybody. I don't want you to, you know, fighting again this thing about how I, I don't quite belong. Uh, something that was never verbalized to me, but that yeah. I, I created. And, and so uh, these that type of drugs became important to me as, as a way of life, as a way of getting through each and where did day. That, where did that get you? That got me, well, it got me um, in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and uh, um, it, it got me a lot, <clears throat> a lot more suffering than any amount of pleasure that, that it could have provided. I, I went to um, uh, nursing school, not with the ex, you know, explicit interest of obtaining drugs, although <laughs> first day of work, here's a set here's, of keys yeah, exactly. to a box full of narcotics. Okay. You're like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. And uh, you learn how to, you know, kind of fudge the books a little bit once in a while, or um, instead of wasting it, you know, you keep it. But... Uh, that got me in trouble. Uh, got me in big trouble with the State Board of Nursing. And after a couple of tries, I ended up just proving that uh, I was not a good candidate for being in the nursing <laughs> field. Um, it's just I could not, at that point in time, be around it. And so it got me, you know, it, it lost, I lost a profession over it, uh, nursing. And I was young enough at the time to uh, sort of recreate my, myself professionally. And I went into uh, web design, web development, <clears throat> which I still do a little bit of. But I had a degree in art, and, and that was a great way of expressing myself. And the money uh, was good, especially at the time as the web was coming yeah. on the scene. Uh, worked for Williams Communications, and we did a lot of a lot of high-end high website design and development. Um, it, it occurred to me at one point, you know, um, I could take these skills that I have as a designer and the knowledge that I have as a nurse, and uh, I'll just write my own prescriptions. Why, you know, uh, just sort of cut out, cut the, the, middle cut out the middle man. Yeah. And uh, so I, I did. I, I, I forged a prescription with 
a nervous, shaking set of hands, uh, and I wish to God that it hadn't worked. The problem is it did, and I walked out with, with this bottle of pills, and I thought, oh, oh, man. that was so easy. So I did it again, and it worked again, and again, and again, and again. And it fed my addiction to the point that I was quite, quite saturated with, with, uh, with opiate drugs. I was, my life was dependent on having them uh, around me all the time and would be willing to do you know, whatever I could to do what? Be my best self. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, something didn't add up there, but I... I I, I, no matter how I tried and no matter how many times I acted like I tried, uh, you know, it just wasn't sticking. I wasn't getting it. And I ended up being arrested uh, twice on, on uh, forged prescriptions, on a forgery charge. And you ended up having and, and to ended up pay doing, your debt. Yeah, I did. I had to do a year. Uh, nice gated community out um, <laughs> uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, a very nice place. No. Well, it is gated. And, <laughs> and I, yeah, I did a year in, uh, in the Oklahoma State. Mm. And that's where you system. met? And that's where I met a friend of mine. You know the story. Go ahead. Well, no. no okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah. I know. Um, yeah. I, well, while I was there, after a few days, I saw a sign in the hallway that said Buddhist meditation, oh. 2 o'clock p.m. in the chapel. Yeah. This was an open campus facility. It's not like we weren't behind bars. Um, More white collar kind of. Yeah. We were, yeah well, we were just for many of the men that were there that it was their final step from higher security oh, really? down the ladder oh, to, yeah, to, yeah. to this minimum security facility that we were at. And, and so... A lot of these guys had been in there a long time. I went straight to that. And I, I hadn't done time in the higher security, so I was kind of a, a looked down on. Yeah, you, know, I, <laughs> you just never want to be looked down on in prison. No, I never. <laughs> really don't want to be looked at, even. Yeah. But, um, so, but I, I, I was interested in this meditation while, so I went and talked to uh, the guy that was doing it. I, first day I chickened out, I just peeked in the window and I saw this huge biker dude just covered in tats and beard, long beard, long hair, no one else in the room, just him yeah. sitting in the middle of the room in a, in a lotus position. I came back the next day and I joined him and we got to talking and after our meditation we went to lunch and we talked more and uh, yeah. he took me over to our library where he showed me that he, all of these amazing collection of books, Jack Cornfield and um, well, the list goes on. I can't think names now, but um, Salzburg and just so many books and tapes and videos that he had collected. The people had donated to the library there at the, the facility, so I had access to all this Buddhist material, and I was becoming really interested. I, I had some inkling uh, over the years that if I were to take a spiritual path and, and get out of this cycle of addiction that, that probably Buddhism would be the way but I yeah. didn't know enough about it and I really didn't want to get involved with anything that required belief in a god or so I had a lot of questions about all this artwork with the demons and the and the gods and all this stuff I had a lot of questions about Buddhism in general oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, he, he 
never answered. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just pointed, you know, and he said, well, look at this or read that. And, and then we'd talk. And, and uh, I, you know, it was an opportunity to transform something that I had no control over into a situation that, shit, I'd pay money for. I mean, it, it was, I had a year of intensive uh, retreat and uh, <laughs> it was great. It was great. Uh, one guy came up to me one day and he said, you're Buddhist, right? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. And he said, well, you, you're going to start teaching a yoga class next week. Yeah, because yeah. I'm Buddhist, right? I don't know yoga, and and uh, I've been to the YMCA a couple of times, taking some yoga classes, but I didn't. Know, I don't know yoga, but it was <laughs> it was kind of one of those offers you couldn't refuse. I felt yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and so I got it together and I went to the library and I, I ripped a page out of the encyclopedia on <laughs> yoga. Sorry guys, uh, so that I would have a, a little diagram of so things you taught to do. Yoga and you so never I taught yoga it. and I never done it. <laughs> like, and they'll never get this. So I'm just so, gonna do um, it. I could, and I couldn't believe it. It's like I don't. I'm still trying to adjust to the fact that I'm even here and and now what? I'm teaching yoga. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I contacted my uh, my wife who really hung in there with me through all of this time she contacted all the area yoga studios and told them the situation and pretty soon at the prison there's all these my husband these is teaching mats. yoga y'all yeah. need to help him out yeah <laughs> all these mats and blocks and straps of yoga material started oh, showing cool. up at the prison that, that was being donated and we collected it and every day we had a class that's one time as many as 30 people were they had to oh, move wow. us into an auditorium and it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome. You know, I had to learn what I could. I, I am not a yoga instructor. I'm not certified. <laughs> I guess I, that was all we kind of had. And we made it work. And it was it was quite an amazing time. Yeah. Uh, and I got a lot of strange looks from people who thought I wasn't acting quite right. Uh, they're telling me, you know, you need to watch your attitude. And <laughs> I didn't know quite what. Yeah, because I was—I was a pleasant person, and, and that apparently was the problem. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're a little too pleasant. Uh, I just wasn't used to this thing, this prison thing. So, um, but Buddha, Buddhism. When I started hearing uh, him talk about it, I, I began to hear words that resonated deeply, like uh, like addiction, like like clinging, mm -hmm. like grasping. Uh, so tell us. Um, we haven't had anybody who. Um, you know, with the exception of me, but I really haven't yeah. talked about it. Uh, go into the basic, um, you know, really quick <laughs> teachings mm -hmm. of yeah. Buddha. Okay, okay. Well, you know, it was like I said, that was there when I when I first started hearing about the the, the teachings that I was um, I was blown away at how it applied to me, uh, how the basic teachings of suffering that it exists and that we are in many ways complicit in creating that suffering for ourselves through our clinging through our attachments to the way we want things to be and uh, and that it is possible to get some freedom from that uh, but it requires a great deal of diligence and work and uh, uh, introspection and I had a year to do it and it was great I came out and decided I want to share this with, with other people. And so I was in, uh, founded the, the Middle Path of Tulsa Group. And how long have you been there? Seven years. Seven years? Yeah, ah, yeah. seven years. Where is it located? Just in case people in Tulsa are <coughs> sure. looking for a place to 
You know, because it's not just recovery. There's a lot of people who aren't in recovery, um, but you That's know, correct. are seeking to be, you know, have find some relief from their own personal. That is suffering. correct. You know, we had we had people suffering with addictions that were coming and and uh, using it in addition to their 12-step work. And then we had people coming who said, "Well, my son has an addiction. He's got a problem, and I want to." kind of see about it and the more they listen the more they participate the more they realize that oh, this applies to me too that this yeah. is for everybody we we all have our preferences of how we want things to be and sometimes we'll go to great lengths to to get it and overlook the amount of suffering that, that yeah. comes with it yeah. Yeah. Uh, again well middle path is located at the um, center for st john center for spiritual formation 61st of Memorial in Tulsa in the Shadow Mountain office building. In the oh, back. Okay. In the back, in the <laughs> on the third floor. If you drive around back and park uh, and walk in through the double glass doors, you'll be already up on the third floor, and you just proceed straight, and you'll see on the at the very end on the right is a door that leads into uh, St. John's Center. Mm. So they offer all, uh, many different kinds of classes and teachings and support for people in religious studies and spiritual seeking and formation. So, oh, wow. uh, and that would be directed by Sister Ellie, who Jane mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, she came actually to the prison while uh, me and, and my friend <coughs> were there. Uh, before I left, it was my friend more or less arranged it for her to come and to uh, offer us uh, ceremonial, uh, you know, transmission of the Dharma, as it's called, and, uh, to uh, take vows. So uh, it was arranged. We, we actually talked to an Episcopal nun who was coming to the prison and asked if she knew any Buddhists. And she said, well, I know this one lady, Sister Ellie, who practices uh, meditation and, and knows a lot about Buddhism. And so we talked to her, and she agreed to come. And then me and my friend were talking, because we're kind of more of the Theravadan persuasion in, in our thinking. and. We knew that she was more, she had a lineage that was uh, more of a Tibetan. And so oh. <laughs> we contacted her because we didn't want to cause any problems. And she wrote back and said, well, I'm all you got. So uh, <laughs> she was right. You and don't yeah, give yeah. Sister Ellie love. Apparently give it, it, back. It, it stuck. Cause, uh, and we were given our Dharma names. And uh, mm. uh, here we are. Uh, here you are. Wow. Seven and now years. you're still leading the group. And it's, it's going yeah. well. It's going well. You mentioned something earlier, Jane. I, I wanted to. You said, and then you stopped drinking or using. I don't remember exactly what you said, but. Well, no, I um, was after uh, after I started going to your group. Yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to say I think it's, it has a lot to do with because we don't really focus on stopping. Yeah, you really oh, don't even I talk think. about drinking it's, or it's drugs. Just, I mean, sometimes it comes up, but nothing yeah. any more than you know. If it wears, if it wears away, if, if you stop doing it, then fine. And it's it's very possible that that is a, a side effect of the practice, but it's not the point. We're not trying to right. stop using oh, drugs. Oh, I see. Stop yeah, using yeah. Drugs. And that's I think what uh, was so great for me that and the whole questioning and sure. putting things to the test because yeah, I'm yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, and you know I I I think what. Um, what you know helped me is that that you offered that and it was just a safe place to meditate and sure. it really helped um anything else i i have nothing more to add he's right. like wow. because i am just 
full intrigued by all of that's this. Good deal. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's great. Because I, I don't, I don't know much about, you know, um, any kind of, you know, Buddhist teaching or. Or any well, good, of that. Good yeah. for you. Well, good for you. <laughs> that's, um, that's a great that's, place that's to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> they call it the beginner's yeah. mind. Um, the that's what I got. I just got an empty beginner's mind. No mind. Yeah, 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 yeah I got no mind. Um, and uh, a room is only <laughs> valuable if it's empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. If a room's full, you can't really use it. If it's empty, yeah. then you can really work with it. Right. Yeah. I just made that up. Uh, <laughs> no, you I didn't. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> His compulsive lying group will start. Compulsive liars, that's my sweet. Yeah, that's my I sweet. was like, I don't know, but I think I just found a new philosophy yeah, that yeah, you yeah. came up with. Wow, <laughs> 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 Like, where did he get that? Like, I guess I'm going to start showing up. It's all those shrooms and then the meditating. David Beach, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all that. That was really, that's an awesome story. I do have a real quick story. Okay, yeah, it's wow. really funny. The yeah, first yeah. that first group you were talking about this uh, kid um, that you were talking to, and he he said, you know, what brought you here? And he'd been in prison, yeah. and he goes, he goes, bitch got me arrested. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the whole premise of uh, Buddhism is taking responsibility. It was it was yeah. probably the funniest yeah. thing I heard. <laughs> bitch got oh, me arrested. That's funny. Never, or I mean, bitch called the cops. That's yeah, what it was, he, yeah, he refused to admit <laughs> to his part in the deal. The only reason he was in prison is because because bitch called the cops on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> oh, Keep thinking funny. that way. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. So anyway, all right, I had to end with that. Was yeah, like that. no problem. Okay. Hey, all thanks right. again, buddy. You bet. Thanks. Dave, good seeing you. Good seeing you, Jamie. All right, be happy, you guys. Bye. Today's show is brought to you by Thompson Cigar Company. Whether you're new to the hobby of cigars or a longtime aficionado, Thompson Cigar Company has a solution to all of your smoke needs. Since the day they were founded in 1915, making them the oldest mail-order cigar company in the country, they've always been devoted to delivering a massive selection of products covering all price ranges and tastes at a fraction of what a comparable brand would cost. To ensure that your cigars are always fresh and full of flavor, Thompson Cigar Company operates out of the largest inventory humidor in the United States. They also have over 200 trained professionals on hand and ready to provide personalized customer service and can answer any question you could ever have about cigars. Plus, because you listen to our podcasts here at Channel 4.5, we have an exclusive offer that will save you money. Click a link in the description of our show to receive one of three offers. One, purchase any cigars in their special cigar collection and your entire order ships free. Two, receive free shipping on any order over $99. Or, number three, save up to 73% when you purchase a five-pack of Fever Cigars. Shop Thompson Cigar to save money and support this show. 